In this episode of Orodua, James Webster and Libby Gray connect and wānanga with the late Tohunga Puoro, Hinewirangi Kohun Morgan, no Ngāti Kahungunu, no Tauranga Muano. They explore her vast experience in Te Ao Puoro and Te Ao Māori, and delve into the teachings of her papa and reflect on his quarter of the four doors of the Orotangata, the human voice. Hinewirangi is passionate about her understanding of Atua Māori, and the gender imbalance that is currently misguiding our people. Hinewirangi's story is one of pain and trauma, and how her journey in healing has guided and driven her to help others, and in her words, help them to sing their soul back into existence. Nō reira, kai taku re muhuia, kai taku mā Hinewirangi, hoki wairua mai.
So, here we are, and I'm sitting here with um, Henny Wirangi Morgan and um, Libby Gray. Um, I have the pleasure of these two beautiful wahine to come and share, um, you know, some more kōrero about Tonga Pūoro and, um, you know, life's journeys and uh, the gifts that Tonga Pūoro have brought to our lives and uh, to share with you here today. So, once again, Henny Wirangi, always great to see you and your fabulousness. Um, and, um, yeah, that you've taken the time out to come and share some of your kōrero with us today. So, yeah, nei rā te mahi. Yeah, and it's really awesome to have the likes of our māre kura to share the mātauranga that we have always wanted to hear. So, e mihi ana ki a koe, kei te māre kura e, e hinewirangi. Um, tuatahi ake, we'll get straight into it, ne? E, e hine, uh, tell us a little bit about yourself. Ko waikoe no hea koe. Ko hinewirangi toku ingoa. Ki te taha o toku whaia, no ka hungo nui aia. Ko maumau kai te maunga tapu, ko nuhaka te awa. Ko rongo mai wahine, toku tūpuna whaia, e tūake au, i rāro i tōna korowae. Tēnā rākotau, tēnā rākotau katoa. Engari. Ki te taha o tōku matua, no taura ngā moana, ia, ia. Ko mauau te mangatapu, ko taura ngā te moana. Ko tamate apokai whenua, tōku tūpuna matua, e tūake au, I raro i tōna kaha, tēnā rakotau, tēnā rakotau katoa. Kia ora everybody, I'm Hene Wirangi Kou Mungun, named after my kuia Hene Wirangi, who was named after her kuia Hene Wirangi. She was born in 1847 and guess what? A hundred years later, I come along in 1947. Anna, <laughs> I don't know how to follow that. <laughs> Could you possibly share with us, um, you know, a little bit of your background and, yeah. uh, you know, how how you came to be in Del Puro yeah. and your passion yeah. and your love for Tonga Puro? Yeah, you know, I was born, the firstborn of two families. I have 23 siblings, actually. The Morgans from Muriwai Beach, with, and that's my Morgan side. My kohu side is my whāngai tuatoru. But it was Anaru kohu that, when my mother finally settled in Tauranga Mana, that took us into Papakaina. I was raised by my kuia for a long, long time, and she taught me all that I basically... You now, she used to say to me, my tiki taku, um, taku rongoa. And her rongoa was in a hue. That's mm. where my love of hue, hine pūte hue, kairoto i tā, nā taonga pūro. But the taonga pūro come from Anaru Kohu. 
Anarukohu, we lived in Huria, Papakaina. We didn't live in urban. We lived there. And he was a muso in every way. He was a saxophonist. He could play all the instruments. He was useless on guitar because he just played what we think is a jingalaka guitar, you know, jingalaka, <laughs> jingalaka. But, but every other instrument he played, because he played in the bebops, it was a band, and they played that kind of Glenn Miller rock and, you know, stuff, you know. And we danced that as children around their practice out of the thing. And then, then of course, he would play with his hands cupped and play puro with his hands. Or he would, he taught us the four doors of the puro, of the oro. That's where it starts for me. It starts with the oro. My papa taught us that in the puku is the first door. The door of the queer Karoa, because the queer Karoa looked after us, wasn't mummies and daddies. They didn't exist in Apapakaina. was a queer Karoa who looked after us. So the Kuro and the queer was in there because they were slowed down, and so they had a certain sound, you know. Yeah, and those Hawaiians mm. do it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they go into that deep, sound of the voice. And the kuya, even with karanga, the karanga would go, and it would crawl across the floor. And so I had to learn the voice of that kuya karawa, you know, so what song do I sing deep in that soul? It was also the place for healing. Mm. Where I first discovered the oro was a place of healing in the puku where women stored pain. Everyone stores their pain in the puku. The men, much lower, hence prostrate cancers and cancers of the puku. And the healing soul was the oro, to learn the oro. To learn to weep, to cry too, because we couldn't cry. And I learned that story from the kuya. You know, that we, at a tangyan, they'd be playing kari. And Nick Monat, <laughs> I'm going to pop their head in the door and go, Hello, son, next minute they queer pack everything away and, and then they take on a certain ahuatanga. And I used to watch them, I used to think they were all lies, what fakes. Because the minute someone stepped in the door, they would go, <laughs> You know, it was years later that I realized that they gave permission for those ones stepping through the door to hear their own tangi mm. and to release. Mm. And what a, what a oro, what a role of the tangi. But I had to learn to tangi myself for the pain that I carried with me as a child. So that healing process began in the puku, the first oro. The second oro came to the Here my dad taught us. Manji, here, he was terrible. This is what you're going to sing to your sweetheart. What do you sing to your sweethearts? What special ways do you have? Mm. And I always had one, but prior to that, my father would come in, because he'd been to Tripoli, you know, in the world. He was a 28 Māori battalion person, and he'd been over the world, and he'd come back, and he'd stand at the door, and he'd go, Bono no te mi to my mother and she would say shut up Anna. <laughs> hey, and next morning we would be saying Papa come and sing to us and he'd be singing in Italian 
he he had a love of oro way across, and that was his pononote was his song for my mother that he would sing to her all of the mm. time. And you could feel his love for her, you know, in that mm. way. Because eh? my mother was really hurt by her first two men in her life. And um, so my song was, and I used to hate the song. I used to think, why am I going to sing this song for Kaiana? Kaiana was my darling from Hawaii. And I had to, that, 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 that one up here, it's the heart of the, the manua, the oro of the manua, the special words. And I used to sing it to him. I'd have to sing it because he asked me to. And then years later, Canon Huata, Tata Huata took us. We were in his wānanga, and he said, I want you to come to this wānanga because we have just received a big amount of money. We're going to put it towards education for our babies. As a result of it, the New Zealand, in new, the radio waves using this wāyata, he said, this story of this wāyata was written by my grandfather. He fell in love with a woman far too young to be woman. And he went to ask for her hand in marriage. At 14, you know, 13, 14, they married early. And her whānau said no until she became woman. Then he could, but in the meantime, he was not to see her. And if their love was supposed to be, it would be. So he's, he wrote this waiata, and then he would sing it from across the waiapu to her village, which was just on the other side, to keep their love alive. And it was this song that I sang with that love for Kaiana the same because I had to sing across the oceans to him eh, in Hawaii. Mm -hmm. He lived there and I lived here in Aotearoa. And I, and I realised why when, once I heard that story. They married and that's Canon Huta, you know, Canon the Canon Huata. That's his whole whanau mm -hmm. that, that the story is about. That marriage happened. And it went like this. Pokare kare ana Na wae o wae apu Fiti atu koe hine Na rina wanae Thinking of my honey, I'm sorry. No, but it's so that was the song of the heart, the, the song mm. of the oro of the heart, the manawa, 
That's the second door. The third door is the kaki, of course, the throat. It's that the door of the ori ori. Oh. <laughs> so you've got to have a baby voice, you know. And I, I stole the song from Hawaii, <laughs> uh, you know, and put a kuvu to it. And it's um, moi, moi, pepe, moi, moi, pepe, pepe, irotoi, takuaro, ha, moi, moi, Baby, baby. Hey, you have to have that baby voice. There's a different voice, a different oro. And the last oro was the oro of the upoko for the falsetto. Those falsetto men, they hit notes I can't hit. Really pitched high. The Hawaiians do it all the time. Beautiful. And But the only way I pitch that upoko pitch is... And you had to hit the note right on track, otherwise you couldn't slide up to the note. You had to hit it. Mm-hmm. So how do you think I hit it? You slide up to the note. So my learning of pu'oro started with the oro. We had pu'oro all around the house in the natural world. We had a leaf that we did pick off a tree and did play it between our fingers. Hey, we didn't have these beautiful, beautiful pūoro that I have now in the collection. Our kōwowo, you know, was a plastic bottle. Or mm. bottle was our, you know, pūoro. All of the things, what was in our plastic world, what was in our new world coming up. But we also had those nuts hanging off the tree, you know, of those eucalyptus nuts, and we used to have to clean them out and make, make pūoro as the mm. eucalyptus nuts and... We had all kinds of bark from the tōtara. There's plenty at home. Eh? So that was the pūro that I grew up with, with my papa. And my papa, not just me, my brother became a jazz player, just beautiful. Um, but certainly I've held the pūro, tanga pūro, because I just see the pūro as a healer. Mm. I see each instrument as a healer. The pukaya for me said, drop what you're doing and run. <laughs> so when I look at my pukaya, I do the same, you know, I run within and and to, to ascertain where I'm at. And I take every instrument and align it to me because if I can align it to me as a healing process, then I know that I can use that in our puro, in our puro workshops that we run out of my studio. Yeah, and also the other part of the kaitiaki o ngāpūro, which is why I'm very adamant about wahine being, because it's been a male-dominated, not not purposefully, but we need to step up as wahine to look at hine pūtehue, hine raukatauri, and hine moana. She is the ocean. She had three three people looking after her, atua, you know, cocoa, the safe waters where, you know, the kui and the karoa in the old days in the traditional reel never said, haere kue ki te horoi, haere kue ki te cocoa, go to the safe waters and wash. 
cocoa was the first satua where it was safe. When it became unsafe for the babies, it became tangaro there to the horizon. From the horizon thereafter was the Mananuiakua. The ocean itself was in the Hinemuana. So why are we just talking tangaro? Why are we not talking Mananuiakua? Why are we not talking them all together in balance and to bring the balance back and applying those wahine, Hineroka Tauri, Hineputehue alone? was known as the goddess of peace, that when those, when those atua were arguing amongst themselves, it was her who opened their hue and set them down and created peace. The same as Rongomatane standing by her side, the two together, you know, and we need, in Pu'oro, we have a opportunity to whakahokia, the balance, to undo the matriarchy, the patriarchy, and to bring back the bisexual nature of our, of us. The tāne, the wahine taha maui, he wahine tēnei taha taha matau, he tāne kei roto iau. Nā kei waho, roto iau. What does that mean? What does that mean for me then? It means I have to bring balance to my work, to whatever it is that I do. Not yours, but if this helps you, hey, then it helps. Uh-huh. Hey. Mm-hmm. So Pu'oro, Tonga Pu'oro has, um, I lo- the first time that whole Manu kind of with Richard Nuns and people as of such calibre came, they came, he came to see my dad. He came to see my papa because my papa was the one who sent him to Joe Malcolm in, in, in Te Arawa. But, but my papa was the one he wanted to talk to. What's that party I want? Because we were a very political fighting Naitamarawaho Kohu tribe. Not the whole tribe, just the Kohus. Hey, and we went on the Hikwiki Waitangi. We buddy were in jail. We were jailed for land occupation stuff, all of that stuff. So we were that. So when a Paya turns up on our Marae and wants to know information from my papa, oh, so all of us girls <laughs> sat <laughs> on, on him. What that Paya want, Papa? Oh, he wants to talk about Poro. Oh, okay, cool. Well, we're going to stay here and listen then. Because we wanted to protect him, eh? you know, because he's such a knowledge, he was a knowledgeable tohunga, my papa, on things Māori. He was full Māori, he didn't have no pāhea blood in him. So he was that way, so we sat. And the kōrero was really amazing. I didn't feel like he was, you know, trying to stay, but he came with passion to say to my dad that one of... Because he was a player in all kinds of other music and a muso as well, not just with puro. He played every other. He was amazing. But he wanted to start a puro so that it wouldn't be lost. His dream was to get it to a place where there would be, and there's us, Haumanu, you know, at the end of all of that journey that he began. And so... In that kōrero, we just realised, oh, okay. Then Dad sent him. My Dad sent him over to Joe Malcolm in, in Tiarawa, who was a, a puro player that, from Dad's age, 
all of their age group and they were musos and they they often played together at tangihana at all kinds of things you know so my journey with Pu'uro was in my own whare with our dad and with, with, with the knowledge of Joe Malcolm people like him but just about everybody at Huria played a Pu'uro of some sort I, and, and, and trumpets and besides the, the Māori Pu'uro we all knew what those was and we always used them at during the Waiata Tangihana. And then they stopped using them because, you know, they were too noisy. <laughs> <laughs> and and because all of us kids got on our poor or different noises and oh I look here. But um that's the journey with Richard and then from Richard to of course, Hidden Melbourne, he's, he's the most bloody unreliable woman <laughs> freaking Every time I had to hire him to come and play at something, you know, you go, yeah, 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 and then be late. That's the same with Fiddy Muckle. They all those <laughs> mates who were bloody fairy people, always late. And then he would get all his, he got most all of his hue from me. If we were to ask you the question of uh, what is it that you specialise in, I can say so many things, um, but, but what's prevalent in the kōrero is tōreo oro, me hine hue. But from you, what do you feel like you specialise in in terms of taonga pūro? I think I specialise in the love of oro across the board. I'm not a Pu'uru player like James, like Horomona, like Jerome, like yourself. I play to teach people to play. I play so that they can learn the sounds. I learned how to say, now for this instrument, I want you to whistle for me. Whistle. <laughs> Till you put your lips in the right place. I play the silver flute. So what we do with the flute is go get your embouchure up. <laughs> and that does the omission, puts it right in the position. I said, now put your kōwā over here and then slowly whistle. I don't want to hear you blow, whistle. <laughs> and then the whistle gets lost. If it's the, um, if it's the pukaya, I want them to learn, I want them to learn how to spit. Mm. And I, I said, now you've got a bunch of rice in your mouth. And you're going to spit one rice out at a time. You want to watch them try and spit a one rice and they can't even pretend there's a rice <laughs> in their mouth? Hey, you know, that that one rice, you spit that one rice out. So you should be making that voice. Where's your tongue? Hey, you know, oh, where's your tongue? Your tongue is directing the rice to get out of there. <laughs> it's that kind of stuff. So I'm trying to find better ways to teach them how to very quickly achieve the voice of the pūro. Mm. But I'm I'm not in concert of standing up there and playing. You want me to play, I'll sing. Anna. But if I specialise on anything, and I never ever call it hinewirangi, I call it tūpuna kōrero. Because tūpuna gifted us. I didn't gift you, make you boring. He. I can't. Don't you tell me that. Hey, do you tell the tubuna that they gifted you? You, I can't. I'm, I'm boring, tubuna. What are you saying? 
Hey, I do. I'm boring. Um, well, you can't say that because they didn't make you boring. Mm. And my job is to open your gates and to find what tool I need to put into your gateway yep. to play. And you do this through uh, the sharing of Pūrāko also. Yeah. Yeah, is there a favourite Pūrāko of yours? Yeah, I have heaves. <laughs> heaves of Pūrāko. Which hey, one for know? today? <laughs> but, uh, you know, yeah, no. Maybe I might the, set the, the scene. The Pūrāko is the base of one's life. It's, um, you know, just alone when the gods called. Hmm. The God goddesses called the world into being. Two of them balance. Mine is totally about restoration of the stories that were written out by Sir George Gray, a white man who had no idea. Because what happened when they came to this country, they saw Wahine, powerful and strong, standing at the side of their men, powerful and strong, on the same waka, doing the same things. They weren't, like, based on Freud. You know, that stupid Freud who said that men will work outside because they've got a penis and a woman inside because they've got a vagina. Hello, <laughs> if that's the way the Pāgaya beats their lives, that's not what we do. Mm. So they found Wahine strong and powerful, standing at the side of their powerful and strong men. They knew what they had to do was to seduce our men, and rapidly, because it would be only them who could make change. And in fact, they did. They made themselves, our men, bless their soul, tapu, and they made us noah. Paru, yet we carry the most sacred of all houses, mm. the house of all humanity in the whare tangata. Why? Not this. I tell them not to feel shame because they had to. In order to survive, we had to become. And they were seduced and still are pretty much seduced today. So, we, you know, this is why I work in prison so I can slap their ears as mm -hmm. we know they come out of prison and stuff. But it is because I love them. Love them dearly. And that's all I know. Yet I come from a childhood that was totally abused by them. Raped at 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, by 15, I'm jumping off a three-story building. By 18, I'm an LSD, cocaine and heroin addict. I'm a prostitute in Wellington, bashing men, not having sex, bashing them, getting paid for it because I hated them. Mm. And it's taken me these years to heal. In, 19, in 2000, I finally had my day with him and told him. He was a master cover. I, I, I talked television and exposed him as Tutitu Kaukau. And he had raped a number of other children. And I took him to court. And he was going to be charged, but he died karma of prostate cancer. Mm. And no one turned up to this fabulous garbage thingy. But he needed help. Where was he going to get it from? My heart wept for him and I forgave him mm. in the year 2000. I realized he needed so much help. And I forgave him. So I sit in a, in a state of forgiveness and knowing that I have a lot of work to do. That's why when I died in March, and I did, I had too much work to kick my ass home. So I've got to get this work done. 
uh, with that. And so Pu'uro has been a way to walk that journey into the soul of our men, to sing their souls back into being the beautiful men that we know they are. They're ours, rotten or not rotten. You can't say, oh, you're a rotten kid, I don't want to know you. Mm. Mm. No, you can't do that. That rotten kid needs another rotten kid to help straighten them up. That's me, because I was rotten. I was bought by my nan. That's why I was trying to cross the river. I wasn't trying to commit suicide. I was trying to cross the river because that's where I saw her went. And she wouldn't let me get on the boat to go across the river. Eh? So I talk about that in the, in the pu'oro. The oro is those purako that you tell, the purako that you are a part of because they have much more meaning. A lived experience is much more meaning than a head knowledge. Mm. Because you get to know the head, the head people, they just leave it in the head and that's it. It's not a practice. With Māori, we have to practice what we know. Because we don't practice, well, shut your mouth. <laughs> hey, mm. close your mouth because you don't practice it. What are you talking about? Me te rongo a hoki, you know, o te taonga pūro, o taumaha, tō hikoinga, i tō ake ara, e mihi ana ki a koe. Maui i tuku me te pūre i ēnei kōrero, kia puta ki tēnei ao mārama, kia rongo e te hunga, e noho taumaha ana, te rapea mētehi o ēnei āhuatanga, a nei te teihi nā tore mō rātau, ki a rātau, a nei he ara, a nei he ara rongoa ko te taonga pūoro tēnā, e mihi ana kia koe, e hinewirangi, wow. I just want to close it, if I may, with a, the oro that actually helped me live. Mm. And it was a song my Nancy gave me. And she said to me, you know, you know, baby, this is that puraka kind of, baby, you know, you're like the ocean. You're like the, the, the seaweed. And it's my song I always sing, the seaweed, rimu, rimu. Hey, the mm-hmm. seaweed that floats and no matter the... You're like, you know, the anger of the ocean, whether the ocean is wild or is calm. If you haven't learned to dance, the dance of life, then it'll rip you out of the ocean bottom and cast you up on the sand for all those namu namu to eat you. So learn this song, my baby, and every time you need, sing it. And this is the oro or the healing process that I took that I sang that song all the time, whether it be in my head or whether it be out aloud, I would sing it because it was the only thing that kept me alive. Mm. It was what made me who I am today was this voice, this oro, this beautiful oro. My name left me, Rimu, Rimu. Kaungunu styles, of course. You've got another stylist that goes to Motete type, but Kaungunu is very kind of... Glittery and, and beautiful. <laughs> Colourful. Yeah. Colourful. And that's us, you see. And I'd like to sort of thank you. Yeah, well, thanks for sharing your kōrero, you know, and us as, you know, tāni. It's always um, quite hard as a tāni sort of hearing those kōrero because it's all true, you know, and um, just having to process those things for ourselves and, you know, what it is, yeah, how do we bring about those balances, eh, you know, and that's the beautiful thing about Tonga Pūro 
always as well is that, you know, there's that whakarite within taonga pūoro, te taha wahine, te taha tāne, te taha atua, mm. you know, and we all understand. We don't, not necessarily everybody understands that because they see it all as, you know, te taha wahine, te taha tāne, but, you know, atua, atua. Mm. And so they don't have a gender as such, but we, you know, because the way in which we um, trying to explain those things away, we always genderize them. And so um, those are another, you know, these are some of the learnings too that we need to sort of readdress and how do we sort of re-indigenize our thoughts about how we perceive our atua and how those atua sort of live within inside ourselves as well. And how do we find that whakarite, eh? So we can go on those healing journeys relative to all those dark spots and our trauma and, you know, experiences in life. So, yeah, thank you for your, you know, your sharing and your experiences. Um, yeah, really sort of, I don't know, it just brings a flutter to your throat and your mm. manawa when you're always talking to you in Niwirangi. What are your um, inspirations for Tonga Pūoro to be strengthened with our people? Yeah, what sort are your hopes? Sort of moving hope? forward, yeah, what are your hopes, mm, dreams and aspirations mm. for that? For Tonga Pūoro? Tonga Yeah, Pūoro. I've been put, putting in my wānanga out there of I'm looking for teachers of my style of, of working with them because I think I balance others. I balance how money too in terms of working the way I work, particularly as you balance in the way you work. And every one of us have a different pukinga as we as we come to the table. My my hope is that there will be those who will carry that same oro from the oro, the four doors of the oro all the way through to Puro, because they all interconnect. So my aspiration is just teaching others that that knowledge and sharing that with them. But long as you know, you know you're going to have to have, when you come to me, you're going to have to have a commitment that will teach rather than just learn for yourself. Mm. But that you're going to share with as many Māori, young Māori, rangatahi, we've got to open a whole new field. We've got all of us golden oldies, but what about our rangatahi? What are we doing with our kohanga reos that we can put in pool or to play for the baby to play? I bought a drum the other day. I think a drum for my autistic child. What about them? Eh? And putting pool, and that's why... You know, mind you, I put a gate on my house in my house. You see, little child safe gate because I got one henny wee rangi that's just a wrecker. Hey, she's only about, she's not even one and a half years old yet. And um, so that morning, you locking out. You go, buddy, chuck everything on the ground and you lock out. So, <laughs> <laughs> but I envision the different levels that we need to build. My vision is a kura. You know, we have a kura in Waikato, we have a kura, and that can be run by Libby. We have a kura where you are, James, that's again run by you. But the kura needs to be inclusive of, mm. across the board, you know, of rangatahi. And then we need to get our kaumatua involved. Hey, they got the stories. They just need to be loved and back into safety because those kaumatua were really bashed. 
and they had to put away in order to save us. So we need to love them back into not just buddies, stick them in old people's home. Hey, we need to stick them around the kohanga real homes so they can say, Haramaikui, that baby needs a loving. Kura, that boy needs a loving, and a, you know, you better get up and get to work. You know, that sort of quarter it all with our kaumatua. Now, no, no, we stick them in. Then we, you, you should see their programs they have. They've got to get out there and sing dumb songs. I just think, oh, we can be having a mokopuna write their story. Mm. Hey, go and record their story on their phone, then come and write it up and then come back, get the next step, write it up, you know. We're not doing for our kaumata what we need to do in a pūoro, in a pūoro sense. Mm. It's so inclusive. We haven't even bothered to stretch that far. Hey, to even look at that, we're just stuck in this little, little bits of work that we each do, and I believe we can all do that and stretch it across. So, what is my dreams and my hopes? Kura mm. everywhere. Tamiana's running them on Kapiti. Look at him. Mm. You know, you've got Jerome trying to run wherever he's running. Mm. You can't let that buddy, what's his name, try and get out of it either. Was Mr. Skipper. Hey, <laughs> 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 no, 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 Mr. Skipper. It's not just about you, it's about our people. <laughs> God, boy. You know, it's that sort of stuff because they hold such taonga and it's a privilege to be in that space. It's a privilege to hold a taonga that we, we are known for. So we have to give the privilege back to the tūhuna and do what they ask us to do. That's what I, that's my dream anyway. My dream and my hope that has always been. So I'm starting schools at my studio. Yes. You know, I have plenty of schools. I have about one, two, three operating form. We had a beautiful, beautiful exhibit the other day of my eight students that carve hue in the forest. And, you know, I asked the universe for one fine day after all of these big, huge storms. Guess what? We had one fine, beautiful day, <laughs> and all our tonga was spread throughout. The women set up their, their exhibit in the forest of Mairongoa Forest, and their families came, 20 of them. And Kiriama Clark, who is the Creative Arts New Zealand, was our guest on the other side. He spoke, and um, and Tude Peke spoke on our side. So we had a real little ceremony. And I sat up in my chair with my leg elevated mm-hmm. up there. Felt really proud of um, that class graduated. So it's really not an aspiration because you're already doing it. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You're already yeah. normalizing this mahi and the yeah. and your fari. I would like for you to sing your song mm-hmm. that reminds you about ora. I sing it often.
Rongoi 